Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to the Use Guys and That podcast. You can find us across all podcatchers, and our Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook is at UseGuysPod. Email us at info at useguyspod.com or useguysandthat at gmail.com. You can find our entire podcast library at useguysandthat.podbean.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the annual. This is the first installment of the annual, at least I hope it's going to be. Use guys in that podcast, Thanksgiving Super Spreader Special. That's Christopher came up with that one. I don't know if we're going to be able to use it next year, if war communism is still going to continue or not. I'm not sure. We'll find out. We're going to find out, but uh, welcome. And what is Thanksgiving without a bird? It isn't a Thanksgiving. And by bird, I mean a specific bird. The bird, Berticus, is here to join us. Thank you for joining us on the show on this very lovely, lovely holiday special. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. Nice turkey. Very delicious. Very tasty. <laughs> yes. I, I enjoyed that. It's good to get away from the uh, the union and the, and the trouble and just have a dinner with friends. It's very nice. <laughs> How's the union business working out, man? Like, I'd Not see- good, man. Not good? Not good. Uh, we, we had to abandon ship studio. They set fire to the studio. Jesus. If you've listened to the latest episode, whenever this is really well, this would be released tomorrow, actually, the same day as the episode that uh, we have put out released. They burned down the studio. I'm not going to give too much info. Go listen to the episode. But we came to a revelation on the show that things will never be the same. And I believe we're moving forward with a uh, <clears throat> a plan that Cart Campit and I were working on for a long time that's going to blow people's socks off. So uh, big, big things coming up for the podcast. Um uh but yeah that's it it's so it's good i'm cranberry sauce was delicious who made that chris was that you very good most certainly uh-huh gravy it's all delicious i love the, this the, stuff. the secret is the uh the orange uh zest that you put in the cranberry sauce mm, mm, oh nice. man is that a real tip c'est magnifique actually actually it legitimately is i was just no kind of role playing and going along so <laughs> huh well it's good to know i i, I gotta make it I'm, I'm i'm doing the thanksgiving right. cooking tomorrow so i'm gonna i'm but i have no experience with any of it so it's gonna be a real trip well, i want to know <laughs> something i want to know something for real okay uh, so italian folks are notorious for you know the spread that they put on for these be the well, i guess what they would be high holidays in the culture kind of like you know sure. you know the same thing for jewish folk they have their high holidays or what have you have holiday food so tell me what is a typical italian american spread new york style whatever east coast what is it that you you typically see on the table on the spread for thanksgiving in an italian american household uh oh man um I get, so three things the first thing is i actually go to the german irish side and oh. they do a they do it weird, so I'll get to them after. But all right, uh, for Italian Americans, the big thing is not Thanksgiving, uh, but of course Christmas. You get the feast of the seven fishes, uh, which is amazing. Um, for Thanksgiving, if if we are not doing standard turkey and things like that, then it's gonna be like a gravy, which is. You know, just a, basically like a, a not a meat sauce, but it's your sauce with all the meats put in it, like brajol and like things like that would probably come out on a Italian American Thanksgiving feast. But I'm pretty sure everybody sticks to tradition, which I, I'm not a huge fan of. Which actually brings me to my uh, original point: the German Irish side. So you'd think the German Irish side would be like doing the standard 
turkey dinner, things like that. Well, we got bored of that a long time ago. <laughs> so we do a different cultural dish every year. Um, and last year was Indian food. So we did a whole spread of it, uh, all kinds of different Indian foods, lots of curries and chats. And this year we are doing uh, Chinese food. So I Ooh. am breaking out the cornstarch and the vegetable oil, and I'm making general sows. Oh, uh, this is nice. this uh. is not for my Thanksgiving, um, which I'm doing at the house with my mom. This is for the family Thanksgiving, which allegedly is occurring and definitely doesn't have more than ten people at it. Of course not. No, yeah, um, of course not. You know. <clears throat> so, <laughs> and so. That's what I'm doing. That's what I, I imagine would be on the table would be exactly what you would expect. Come back to me at Christmas time, which I hope I get to be on for some sort of a Christmas Eve thing when uh, we talk about the vigil uh, where I God, I don't remember what's all in all of the seven things, but you get things like bacala, clams, cod, obviously calamari comes out, shrimp probably, maybe anchovies, octopus, maybe like sea snail, you get all kinds of stuff. Lots of interesting stuff comes out on the Feast of the Seven Fishes. Um, so I'll tell you about that when that happens. Outstanding. I can't wait to hear about it. Now, I, I could tell you from personal experience, my Thanksgiving uh, tomorrow, uh, and bless my wife because she's a fucking saint to put up with my uh, largesse, my freckled mass moving through. <laughs> the, uh, moving freckled through the Irish ass. Oh, gosh. I, in, in places the sun never reaches, my friend, let me tell you right now. Uh, I'll be in the kitchen making drunken potatoes. I, I will be like, fuck, I will be three sheets to the fucking wind by noon. I will see the devil by one o'clock in the afternoon. And it, yeah. I can't I can't help it because you, you know that part in old school when Frank the Tank is like, oh, it's so good when it hits your lips. That's exactly yeah. Like I could, I could not drink at all. But after the first fucking shot of Jameson, man, I am sure. fucking locked in. A beast. Yeah, me locked too. I'm like in. that too. I can't yeah. help myself. So it's about committing. You respect yes. yeah. the once you, once you start rolling with the shots of Jameson, there's no stopping right. until the bottle's empty. <laughs> Yeah, you're not joking, man. In fact, Brian, who I, says I hello. I'm not joking. No, I know you're not. He says hello, Bird. He can't make it because he's got to work. Hello, uh, Brian. So he, he he's sorry that he couldn't make it. But uh, I, last year when he came over, I had to have two bottles, one for myself and then one for him. And he drank the whole fucking mm. bottle between 9 o'clock sure. at night till 3 o'clock in the morning. It was it was a tremendous night, tremendous hangover. Of course. Tremendous. Know. Yeah, it was yeah. great. But uh, Tremendous. <laughs> Dude, I wanted to ask you about like... this. So I saw an article and I posted it on Twitter. You actually have checkpoints in New York City for travel. Um, oh, that brings up a thing. I actually have a whole thing uh, that I want to tell you guys about, give you guys some education about in regards to uh, to uh, Joe Biden. But just just as a, we could do that later. Um, checkpoints in New York City. Um. I don't know, man. I just came back from Buffalo two weeks ago, and I didn't run into anything. Well, that's good. Maybe there are checkpoints coming into and out of the city. There's certainly no checkpoints going into and out of Manhattan, which would be ridiculous and impossible to do on the trains anyway. I, I don't know how they would manage that, nor nor on the roadside. Um, if you've ever actually been to a, a major roadway that goes into New York, 
no way there's no sides it's all just streets <laughs> and then and then dirt um so i don't see that being a possibility at least where i've been maybe coming into the city from other states perhaps but i haven't heard anything personally about that yeah i was curious about the whole thing because you know you brought up an excellent point the logistic nightmare that would be caused by let's say you got somebody on the fucking george washington bridge well, I mean, mm-hmm. holy shit! You want it? They're gonna back. They're gonna back traffic up to fucking Trenton if they did something like that. I mean, it would be impossible to manage. I mean, that's a great point. And then, of course, the tunnels. Uh, not you know, uh, the Lincoln and the Holland. It would be really tough to to pull that off. So, maybe out of the city. I don't know. I don't know how. So, the, I, so I saw for it. example, this is the kind of logistical issue we're talking about here. <laughs> now, just just brings up a point: the Brooklyn Battery Tunnel. Uh, which is the uh, it's a tunnel that go, uh, it's the tunnel that goes under the Brooklyn Bridge. I'm pretty sure uh, under the East River, and it they, there was one time when my dad and I were driving uh, into the city, and I'm trying to think about how to illustrate this. There's a no oh out of the city. Sorry, out of the city home, and there's obviously like there's literally military guys who are standing outside of these tunnels all the time, uh, geared up, armed up, guns out, because it's the tunnel. It's super important. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and my dad and I were getting into the tunnel, and as we were doing that, I looked to my, uh, I guess it would be left, because I wasn't driving, and it was the driver's side. I was in the passenger seat. The, there was a dog that started running, like a little had to be a baby Labrador or something like, like a little tiny Labrador, not full sized. And the dog runs into the tunnel and the two military guys are standing there, just kind of look at it pass by. And they're like, "Uh, okay. And then there's an Asian couple running after the dog, frantically running after the dog. And the two military guys go to like, stop them from running and the woman straight up passes the two of them, like runs right by them and keeps going. <laughs> nice. And they don't run after her, obviously. They know what's going on. They just stop the guy and they're like, all right, we'll take care. We'll get we'll get her back. It'll be all right. And they hold up traffic for 45 minutes. Holy shit. To get this dog. Wow. That's the logistical issue we're talking about here. That a single dog can stall traffic through a major tunnel that goes into Brooklyn from lower Manhattan for 45 minutes because of a dog. So the idea that there would be checkpoints, I mean, these tunnels see 100,000 to 200,000 cars a day, probably. Yeah. It's a, that would be absurd. And that's obviously an intercity. No, uh, yeah. Inter an intercity thing. So it's just going from one part to the other part. But I mean, like, I, you know, getting like the George Washington, like imagine trying to set something up where you'd be able to temp scan everybody who comes in. Oh, God. No, the fucking it, you wouldn't be able to get to work. No, I was going to say, imagine how how bad it would hold shit up if they fucking got somebody that was running a temperature like. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't know. So I'm not saying it's not true. What you read isn't true because I have not read it. And maybe if I read it, I would be able to go. Oh, I, I don't know. I don't know if ever. But like. 
it just sounds like a logistical nightmare. <laughs> so I found I found the article. It's from Bloomberg, a periodical of great note, as I like to tell Angel. Uh, not as but good. it's not the Billings Gazette. It's not the Billings Gazette, unfortunately. Yeah, not the Billings Gazette, I couldn't find but, one from but, the Billings. What's the article Gazette? title? Uh, the article title is NYC will have COVID checkpoints at key bridges and crossings. Uh, it says that uh, vehicle checkpoints at key bridges and crossings. Sheriff's office will conduct spot checks when out-of-state buses drop riders uh, off at the curb. So there you go. Yes, that makes perfect sense. That I can see. Okay. Yeah, which actually, interesting, they said out-of-state only because it's just funny to think there are certainly more people commuting, I guess, from nearby than from far away. But you'd think that you would just want to, like, like, again, I was in Buffalo, and we took the Amtrak back. There was nothing at all. No, Nobody came up to me and was like, what's your temperature? Nobody. There wasn't even, like, a check for if I had weapons on me, by the way, or, or massive quantities of drugs, which I certainly didn't have on me. <laughs> right. Right. So weird, that yeah. whole set. Amtrak is, just, by the way, a completely exploitable system that any good agorist should be taking a strong look at. Um, Noted. Uh, by the way, but uh, you know what, New York City, you're going to set up COVID checkpoints to out-of-state buses. Got to tell you, I'll never be on one of those. So I don't know what to say about that other than that sounds like a major pain in the ass for the people who are coming in from the out-of-state buses. Yeah, I would say it'd be a big pain in the ass. How long did that trip take from Buffalo back to the city? Oh, man, the the trip there was eight hours. It was beautiful. I loved it. It was great. And this, you know why it was great? Because I had the Kanye West Joe Rogan podcast to listen to. I listened to that motherfucker two yeah. times. And it was <laughs> it was fantastic. Um, and on the way back, it was 11 hours because we got held up. That was miserable. That was, that was not good. Well, <sighs> you're back in the city now. You're getting ready to do uh, Thanksgiving uh, Chinese Asian American style, please. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's very exciting. Um, I don't know. Uh, I don't know what the, Christopher, he's he was knee deep in Thanksgiving already. He's making homemade pie crusts at his house. Like the shit's getting mm. hot and heavy over there already. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We take it serious. So we're Hell having yeah. our uh, we're having our uh, limited gathering of less than seven people, which is what I think. Oh, is it is, is it supposed to be less than seven or is seven like your guest so number? Because it's probably safe yeah. enough. <laughs> Yeah, like so, uh, uh, but yeah, no, we uh, we do the uh, we do the it, I, it's me and my sister that live together. And we always do the the holidays at our house. So do you we do, do the, the? Are you doing the traditional? Yeah, I mean we're doing the traditional, um, but like we're uh, we're we're big on the desserts. Like we like to have lots oh, of desserts. So we're doing nice. like we're doing like four different pies, and then my sister <laughs> makes my sister makes this pumpkin cheesecake that's to fucking die for. Yeah, and uh, so we're doing like a a sweet potato pie, a pumpkin pie. Oh a, my god! A, a pecan pie and a cherry. Where are you at? Pie. And what time was this occasion? <laughs> <laughs> we are in a rural town in uh, northeast Ohio, so it'd be pretty. Oh, be you're a long, in, a, you're in a, a, a state that I'm not even sure is real. God damn it! Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, shit. All right, I'll be over. Yeah, I'll, I mean, I'll we, let you we, know. We do mostly the traditional spread, with uh, with the exception nice. of like, uh, like we we usually don't do cranberry sauce. Like most most of my family don't like cranberry sauce, so we usually nix that. Oh, 
That's a, <laughs> yeah, I, lo- yeah. I love fucking cranberry sauce, man. Oh, I, I, I want to do cranberry no, sauce. I like, I, yeah. I like a good, a good homemade. Never had it. Sauce, but not the fucking ocean spray dog shit that's oh, in a can. No. Sure. I've never had cranberry sauce, and like this year is the first year where I'm like, I'm gonna make it, and it's gonna be good. I promise. Like mm-hmm. I swear, mm-hmm. I hope. It can't be bad. So many people like it. There has to be a way to make it somewhat good. So I'm going to yeah. try. Because I've never had it before. So I hope when I have it for the first time, I'm like, well, I like it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't know if it compares, but uh, it's good to me. I am I am that fucking barbarian who loves it out of the can. I absolutely. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, because it's got the lines in it already oh. so I can cut off a slice. <laughs> <laughs> That's me with whipped cream, dude. See? Right out of the can. See? Yeah, I'm just like I, I let you, it. you. It makes that sound as you're putting it onto the plate. Right. You lay oh, it down. It's like you're just fucking a jar of mayonnaise. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> and you lay it down, and it's got the lines in it. And I'm like, oh, oh here we go. We God. got a slice. Put it right on the turkey. But Angel, you're awfully quiet. What is uh, your agenda for Thanksgiving? Uh, what is uh, your traditional spread, if you will? And no, I don't mean this in a dirty way. This is uh, I don't want to get uh, fired from the show. You're the director. That's sexual harassment. <laughs> don't get me too. Don't get hashtag no, me too. Um, <laughs> so, like, we do the traditional fare, but I make the turkey a certain way um, where I put it inside of a bag, an oven roasting bag that's specifically for turkeys. And... Um, I put chicken broth in it as well as some other spices and um, I let it bake, you know, for the time allotted Um, and it comes out really juicy and everybody really, really likes it. So, you know, that's how we do the turkey. I'm not a big fan of turkey myself, but, you know, it's okay for one day Um, and I enjoy it just for the one day and everybody else seems to really like it and I send home a lot of leftovers with everybody Mm -hmm. and, you know, uh, I'm going to make some bacon dip, which is really good. Hell yeah. Yeah, bacon, bacon. and Can you cream. elaborate on the bacon Please dip? Please elaborate <laughs> in excruciating detail about that. <laughs> okay. So I need to hear about it. There's this bacon dip that I make um, with uh, cream cheese, Philadelphia cream cheese, of course. Um, I don't get the off-brand stuff for the holidays. Hell yeah. I think you just got to... If you're going to make something, you got to make it with all the good stuff. So I get the Philadelphia cream cheese. Um, I also put in Kabat Vermont white cheddar cheese. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then um, just bacon. And I get like the real, real thick bacon. Um, It cost $18 for three pounds. Yeah. It's expensive bacon. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. But it's getting, it's getting hot over here. I'm going to strip down to my underwear. I literally i am not sure whether or not I'm going to be able to continue podcasting. <laughs> right. I'm getting lightheaded over here. Oh, yeah, a little bit, a little warm, a little warm. So I make all of the bacon first and then, um, you know, I let it like drain all the grease off of it. And then um, I mix the cream cheese and the Vermont white cheddar together. And then I throw in the bacon and I mix that all in together. And then I pop it in the oven and let it warm up, and that's it. It's, like, really simple to make. Super simple. Wow. Yeah. That would be an amazing cream cheese spread cold. It is, too. Like, I've actually put it on, like, a pretzel bun before. Delicious. (laughs) And then have you ever considered putting, like, chopped scallions in it? 
Uh, yeah, I actually do put scallions in it too. I forgot ah, about that. Yep. Oh yeah. Wonderful, wonderful recipe fucking, that you have. Fucking talk dirty. Holy to me. Oh, shit. Yeah, no kidding. We're gonna have to put a fucking. I need about X five. Rating. Actually, it's a good thing that what I have prepared has to do with Joe Biden because I am far too aroused to be podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> That's insane. I also make an apple pie dip, which is uh, cream cheese I, oh, apples. Holy. Yeah. No, it's delicious. Yeah. Cream cheese apple. Let's hear that and, one. Okay. Cream cheese apple. And um pumpkin pie spice. And you just wow. mix that all together and you put it in the oven and bake it and it's real simple too. I mean it's kind of messy mixing everything together, but it's really delicious. I did not realize that cream cheese was like a bitching base for things, but apparently it really is. It, it oh is. it is. It is. Wow. <laughs> shit yeah it's that's beautiful. crazy yeah th th I'm, ex I'm extremely that's that sounds fantastic too um what about uh anything anything else any other dips any other dips i could try to make um beverages uh, jameson straight or uh you know <laughs> if if my 17 year olds around i get a uh a uh, ceramic coffee mug and i'll just fucking load that fucker up uh you can use ice or it can be uniced you can actually mix it <laughs> if you want to delay the uh the yeah, effects yeah. of see my problem too is i also gamble on football so sure. uh you know i like Who to doesn't? get I, I mean i love to get nice and uh alcoholically lubricated so that way mm -hmm. I, I when i get fucked which is inevitable by uh by the score by the spread uh you know i'm not too mad about it because i'm drunk so i'm having a good time um, right as far as drinks that you know that's the funny thing is like i i don't have a big house so i can't have and of course i i follow the rules because i don't want his uh his lordship governor dewine to get upset with me and then send his goons over to my house so it's going Heavens to be, no no yeah yeah i am i am a law-abiding citizen uh just sure. like every good anarchist is uh <clears throat> Um, yeah. Anarchist yeah. in name only, baby. In name, exactly. Just like I'm Mr. in the shit purely for the aesthetics. Mm -hmm. Exactly. That's what I say. Yeah, yeah, right. The black flag, it just looks cool, right? It's it really, cool yeah. looking. Yeah. It's, I'm not it's, actually going to stop paying taxes. <laughs> but I, uh, I, I don't have a big house, so like, I, I've always wanted to do one of those. Um, they put sherbet in, in, the, in this, uh, what is it? Uh, they have like a ladle that you put in there and it's like fruit punch and they put sherbet in there and like oh, yeah, spice yeah. rum and shit like that. I like to do that someday, but when you have a small house, a small condo, you know, there's only so much room and I'd rather have room for the massive amounts of turkey, uh, mashed potatoes mm. with fucking sour cream in the mash, full stick oh, of yeah. butter, full yeah. stick of butter, full stick. Full, oh, no, no, no. Yeah. You're, you're not walking away without diabetes, my friend. I'm sorry. It's over right. for you. Uh, diabetes, yeah. clogged arteries. Listen, Fuck yeah. I'm here for a good time, not a long time, so let it roll. Mm -hmm. uh, sure. So, yeah, I put um, I put a full stick of butter in there, and I use the I use the actual blender. Uh, not the blender, but um, what the fuck is the thing? The automatic whisk. Food thing. processor? Oh, a mixer. the immersion blender? The mixer, like a KitchenAid, mm. right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And mixer, yeah. Yeah, and, I'll, and I, mix it, mixer. Oh, yeah. I mix it smooth, and then my mother will look at me, and my mother's from the Bronx. And she'll, she'll, she, the first year that, that I did it, my wife and I made it, she was, she was like, you made these potatoes? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, we did. She's like, how did you get them so smooth? Like, so, she immediately that suspected it. it was out of the box. She's like, I've never that was, seen mashed yeah, potatoes that's like, like My this. mothers would do the same thing. That's exactly the move is you go, how did you do it? <laughs> like <laughs> To provoke you to be like, it's from a box. Right, yeah, to get the confession. <laughs> it's all about getting the confession of, yeah. hey, no, I cheated. It's not real yeah. potato, you know. 
I couldn't possibly do it better than you, Ma. <laughs> That's the right answer. That's the right answer. So now that Angel's got everybody sexually aroused all over the internet, yeah, oh yeah. Uh, thank wow. you very much, Angel, for talking dirty to the whole audience. You're welcome. Okay. Um, now that I've removed my shorts, uh, I'm ready to go. I just want to say before you do remove your shorts, you know that whole sapiosexual thing, like where you're attracted to people who are intelligent? There's definitely a foodiosexual thing. Like when people oh, yeah. are like, like when right. people can talk very detailed about delicious food, it's 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 an exciting thing for me. I don't uh, disagree just, just at all. Voicing I that. that, I appreciate it. One hundred percent. So so good because yeah. I love fucking food. I think that's got to be what it is. My one true love. <laughs> well, like I, I'm not gonna lie. Like my sister and I like host everybody at our house for the holidays because we love the praise for all the cooking oh, that we do. Yeah, and, of and, and we're and we're both incredibly good cooks and bakers, and so it's just like sure. Like come come to our house, you know, eat our food, kneel before us, and worship. Us. <laughs> that's that's all. That's all the chef wants. Right. That's, that's all, all that we that's want. All is you the want. That's, that's all beautiful. You want. That is Sorry for derailing you, Jeff. No, 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 no. I'm quite all right. My shorts are back on. I apologize Good. for that. I apologize. All right, take them. You can take. All right, you take them off. It's all right. All right, all right if you I'll need to. Yeah. You know yeah. what? I might. Uh, I might. Might let it simmer a little bit there. You know, just let it cook a little bit longer. Just don't put it. Keep it away from the turkey. I'm gonna have another. <laughs> uh, so you said something about Joe Biden. I am so excited to hear about. Uh, That's right. Working see, class. This is Joe. some serious. Yes. Some serious stuff for you because. Um, I was originally going to put together like some Thanksgiving stuff for this, but that's old hat. Let's let's do something that's actually like, uh, you know, um, informative. Let's give people something. I'll tell you why. We got a whole new presidency coming in. Right. Yeah. And for those of us who are interested and I hope it would be all of us in anti-war activism or at least the anti-war movement in general. It's good to mm -hmm. familiarize yourself with the cast of characters who are going to be uh, delighting our TV screens as they tell us that they bombed another country. Yes. So. To that end, uh, Joe Biden, it was either yesterday or two days ago from the time of recording. Well, from Thanksgiving Day, it would have been about three days ago, I think. Uh, he has announced a couple of picks for his cabinet. And um, you go, oh, that sounds boring. Who gives a shit about who's in his cabinet? Well, I don't think anybody here would be saying that because you know the implications of that. We had a guy like John Bolton in a cabinet. We had a guy like Mike Pompeo. Yep. Uh, John Brennan was the CIA director at one point. Steve Mnuchin is in there now. Like, There's lots of names that you hear on TV all the time that make very important decisions that impact how much money you have to pay to the piglets and how much um, freedoms you have in other respects. So I think it is quite important we talk about them. Uh, I've picked three of the most important uh, uh, positions that he's named thus far. And I'm going to give you guys some information on what the position actually does, who the current Trump uh, regime incumbent is, and who the incoming Biden regime in incumbent will be. Um, just so that we all know, as we walk into 2021, that we're back in Obama term three, baby. Let's get into it. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. It really is. Um, so the three picks that were given out are the names Jake Sullivan. He was named for the National Security Advisor position. Avril Haynes, who is director of the National Intelligence Agency, I want to say. And Anthony Blinken for Secretary of State. Another frontrunner pick, but... Um, it's not sure yet, is Biden's Secretary of Defense, uh, Michelle Flournay, or Flournay, I don't know. Go look it up. 
I'm sure by Thanksgiving, hopefully they figured out whether or not it was a real name. So let's talk about the three of them. All right. Jake Sullivan's first up. So Jake Sullivan was picked to be the national security advisor, which is a position currently occupied by a man named Robert O'Brien. So what is the job of the national security advisor? Well, national security advisor participates in national security council meetings and is the chair of the principals committee of the NSC, along with the secretary of state and the secretary of defense. So this is all, you know, currently Trump guys, and then we'll be Biden guys. Uh, the NSA also sits on the Homeland Security Council. So this is from the website, the government, official government website. The language here is so funny to me. Um, these are some of the responsibilities that the NSC advisor uh, is responsible for. <clears throat> he used to be a source of personal advice and counsel to the president mm -hmm. with a focal channel for information during situations of crisis. Conduit for written information to and from other principals watchdog of the president's political interests as they relate to national security matters, providing emotional support, coordination of lower level agency and department input before it reaches a higher level, setting the meeting agendas, <laughs> selection of skilled and experienced personnel. It sounds like you're on Indeed. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, <laughs> I, it's, it's just, it's amazing. So the current national security advisor, because I, I feel like I could tell you the ridiculous list of responsibilities and you still won't know what they do. So let me just tell you about what the people that you've heard of in this position have done. So who have you heard? Have you heard of Robert O'Brien? Anybody here? I'd be very surprised. Yes. yes. You have? Okay. So yeah. I even hadn't heard of Robert O'Brien other than that he came in for a particular guy. So I figured to tell you how the national security advisor works, we would talk about that particular guy the guy before Robert O'Brien, John Bolton. We all heard of him, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, we all. Mm -hmm. So that's this position. John Bolton. Uh, so some of the things about John Bolton, obviously, during the uh, Reagan and Bush years, he worked in the Justice and the State Department, and he was caught up in the Reagan administration in the Iran-Contra scandal, which I don't think a lot of people know. Uh, he, Him, along with Elliot Abrams and Otto Reich and John Poindexter and John Negroponte, just a bunch of overlords, really bad guys. Um, so uh, you all know about the Iran-Contra. Iran the, they were discovered selling illegal weapons to the Iranians, laundering money through Israel, funding. Uh, you don't know about this? Yes, I, I know. I know about it. I think, okay. I think Jay okay. does too. Chris, do you know this about it? This is a super big no-no. Yeah. yeah, correct. Yeah, Is okay. it a violation yeah. of the Logan Act or no? Uh, yes. Okay. Yes, That's it was. I think that was exactly what it was. Anyway, they so they funded the Contras with the money, and they funded the Contras are Nicaraguan death squads, mm -hmm. killed upwards of a hundred thousand people. Uh, so that was John, partly John Bolton's responsibility. Furthermore, uh, when Bush made the axis of evil speech, Bolton actually argued with him and said. That wasn't enough. You should definitely add Cuba, Libya, and Syria to that list as well. <laughs> <laughs> so he, I remember John Bolton, one time he published an unsubstantiated claim that Cuba had a nuclear weapons program. You guys remember that? Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, um, still unsubstantiated to this day. Nobody called him on it. We all forgot about that. He uh, always opposes the United Nations, which, again, no, like I, I just I, trying to give you guys here the general, no matter what you think of these things, these are the things the guy's done. Right. Sure. Um, he uh, wrote an article 
that was entitled uh, To Stop Iran's Bombs, Bomb Iran, where he advocated for bombing Iran. I remember that, yep. Eventually war, and it was Donald Trump actually who had to exercise some, like, sense. So <laughs> Imagine it's, that. That's just John Bolton anyway. That's just John <laughs> Bolton who's a known piece of trash. So let's talk about Jake Sullivan who is an unknown piece of trash. Let's do that. So who is he? Uh, there's a lot of stuff to say here. Some of it is good. Some of it's bad. I'm just going to present the facts here. Vox News once referred to Jake Sullivan as uh, the man behind the hawkish Hillary Clinton's foreign policy. To that end, a guy named Richard Holbrook, who was a U.S. diplomat to Afghanistan and Pakistan, however, speaks of him glowingly. Uh, he says, let me tell you the only person, one person you need to get to know who is loved by everyone in the institution and get things done is Jake Sullivan. So Sullivan is a has been for a long time a non-resident senior fellow at Carnegie's Geoeconomics and Strategy Program in the Carnegie Endowment for International Peace, which is an organization that takes funding from at least 10 military agencies. Jesus. Not everyone uh, thinks Sullivan glows, though. He was, if you'll recall, at the center of the Benghazi hearings alongside his partner in war crimes, Hillary Clinton. Correct. He was a senior policy advisor for Hillary Clinton's 2016 campaign, mm -hmm. which was an absolute joke and a failure. <laughs> and he was originally slated to be her national security advisor. So it's looking like Shades of Hillary will exist into the future. <laughs> Unfortunately, but yep, that's where we're at. Yep. As Hillary Clinton's uh, deputy chief of staff at the time, and he was the director of policy planning, uh, he played pivotal roles in foreign policy relations between Libya and uh, Syria during the Obama presidency, which if you know about the Obama presidency, then you can imagine his track record. He planned, uh, he played a large role in negotiating the Iran nuclear accords, and he was infamous for a 1202-2012 email chain with Hillary Clinton in which he claimed al-Qaeda was, quote, on our side in Syria. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Of course. Who other, whose side so would they be on? <laughs> that's him. That's Jake Sullivan. So that <clears throat> when you hear the name Jake Sullivan behind the sound of trumpets blaring in Iran's direction, oh, you'll know why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Next person that I want to talk about is Avril Haines, who was picked to... Uh, anybody know Avril Haines? That I don't. For, no, I'm unfamiliar. Okay. She's a bastard. She was picked to be <laughs> Biden's director of, I love my notes, director of the director of the national intelligence. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Uh, the position that is currently occupied by John Ratcliffe. So what is the job of the director of national intelligence? So the position was created after 9-11 in order to establish uh, coordination and communication in the international uh, intelligence community, or sorry, in the national intelligence community, the IC, mm -hmm. uh, for which the director of national intelligence is the head. This is the, it's either seven or 17 or 10. It's one of those numbers. And you've heard this before. The blank into number of intelligence community. Remember early on in the Donald Trump uh with the Russiagate thing where yeah. we were hearing about the unified opinion of the seven agencies or whatever it was. Yes. So it's that, it's that group in which we're referring. All right. Uh, so beyond that, the position of the director of national intelligence oversees and directs national, the national intelligence program. So go look that up. That's a whole can of worms we could do an episode on. 
Uh, more importantly, and especially for a president like Joe Biden, who's, let's be honest, old, he seemed a lot more lucid than I had originally thought he was in those debates. But I mean, time is ticking. And he's a well-known union, bureaucratic, neoliberal type who will strongly rely on his cabinet of Avengers, as CNN likes to refer to these war criminals, thugs and thieves. Uh, wow. It, wow. It It is uh, the chief responsibility. And this is the most important part. It is the chief responsibility of the director of national intelligence to produce the president's daily briefing. Oh, Jesus. So th the top, that's the document that includes all of the intelligence gathered from the various agencies mm -hmm. the previous day, given to the president every single morning. You can go look up some that were done during the, the Bush two because those are the ones that have been declassified. Like you can see ones from 2004. I know that because I looked at a few that just to get a, a, a look at what it looks like. And it basically looks like an e like a, uh, uh, like an email chain, like that you would put together for people that they could sign up to. I, I forget what those are called, but it puts together all your daily briefing tells you exactly what you should think and how you should feel about it. Because I saw on a particular one that was given to George Bush, something like, uh, North Korea intent on attacking the United States was the title of an article inside of the president's daily briefing. Wow. That is the kind of stuff that occurs in there. That's so amazing. that's why the position is so powerful, not only because the president has to read it every day, but because it is not impartial at all. So that's um, what the Nat director of national intelligence is capable of doing. Who is the current incumbent? John Ratcliffe. Nobody of particular note. He was installed into the position uh, after the previous director, Dan Coats, was forced to resign because of his disagreements with Donald Trump over the advisement about Russia and North Korea. Ratcliffe has always been a Trump loyalist. He's from Texas's fourth district, which is the northeast of Dallas and Fort Worth's Metroplex. Uh, the, there was bipartisan opposition to Ratcliffe last year when he stood to be confirmed because he had no national security experience. And though he once falsely claimed that he, quote, arrested over 300 illegal immigrants in a single day and had jailed terrorists, <laughs> he never actually tried a single terrorism case in a U.S. federal court. Well, that's so, amazing. Wow. OK. All right. Excellent. I'm not sure about that. Um, but that is Donald Trump's current incumbent selection. Avril Haines is who we're going to be talking about. This is Joe Biden. She's a lot worse. All right. uh, originally serving under President Obama as the Deputy Director of the CIA and the Deputy National Security Advisor, she has a long history of running cover for CIA torture programs and served directly underneath former CIA Chief John Brennan during the dramatic increase of drone strikes between 2014 and 2015. She is currently leading the Biden transition team in its foreign policy and national security departments. And she's previously, she's previously, and I got a kick out of this, worked with the uh, consultant, worked as a consultant for uh, Peter Thiel's uh, Palantir. Oh, the really? mining company. No shit. Okay. All right. Mm -hmm. Okay. Techno-fascist libertarian Peter yes. Thiel. <laughs> yes. The beacon of liberty. Absolutely bizarre. Yeah. The, be the beacon of fake liberty. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, she, um, Avril Haines, represented a CIA team that negotiated with the Senate about CIA intelligence declassifications. And of course, needless to say, she worked to keep as much of it redacted as possible, as was her job. So when Senators Dianne Feinstein and Pat Leahy announced on the Senate floor that they were investigating the CIA because they believed there was sufficient evidence to prove the CIA was searching through U.S. Senate computers that were being used to write a classified oversight report into the CIA's post-9-11 detention program, 
where it was found that at least five CIA employees, two attorneys from the CIA, and three IT personnel from the CIA, quote, improperly accessed or caused access to computers used by the Senate's select committee. There was an appointment of an accountability board to ensure that the CIA was held accountable for their actions. And because John Brennan was involved in the scandal, the job fell to the deputy director, who was Avril Haines. So it was Haines's job, uh, which she cites after a full investigation, she held none of the CIA personnel accountable for the CIA's efforts to access and potentially thwart the research, writing, and publishing of the 2014 Senate torture report. Haines was never personally involved in any torture like John Brennan and Gina Haspel were. However, her involvement uh, in the attempt to clean up and whitewash the torture was clear. So that is Avril Haines. She's a good old, going to be doing a lot of war crime covering up. It's like getting the band back together. Right. Getting the band back together, baby. Oh, is it back in town? Oh, shit. It'll be good. <laughs> I, I actually didn't realize this before I presented it, but I kind of like that I'm giving you the past and present just to give you an idea of how little is actually changing in the foreign policy <laughs> right. no, really, yeah. perspectives, if you know what I mean. So Absolutely. the last guy that I had mentioned was Anthony Blinken, who's probably uh, the worst and most notorious of them, but... It's up to you to decide. He was picked to be Biden's secretary of state, which is a position that's currently occupied by Mike Pompeo. I'm sure we all know that guy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, what is the U.S. State Department? The U.S. State Department is the arm of the executive branch of government, which is responsible largely for exec uh, executing uh, the president's U.S. foreign policy and international relations. It's the oldest executive branch in U.S. history. Uh it administers diplomatic agreements and negotiations, uh, treaties and such between foreign entities, uh, and it's responsible for staffing the representation uh, for the United States' position in the UN. So what is the job of the Secretary of State? So things such as they serve to be the president's principal advisor on U.S. foreign policy, and they advise the president on the appointment of U.S. ambassadors, and they personally participate in U.S. representatives' conferences, organizations, and agencies. They supervise the administration of U.S. immigration laws abroad. Uh, they inform Congress and the American citizens of the conduct of U.S. foreign relations. He's the guy who will always come up, not the president, of course, will always come up during the press briefings and tell us about how we're doing. Mm. Uh, he uh, promotes beneficial economic intercourse <clears throat> between the U.S. <laughs> and other countries. <laughs> He administers the Department of State and he supervises the Foreign Service of the United States. So who is the current holder of this position? Mike Pompeo. Well, wow, I forgot about this. Right. He replaces Rex Tillerson in 2018. It was 2016, but it was 2018. So we've only had the guy for two years and he's been trouble ever since. He's extremely hawkish. He's a Tea Party Republican oil man who's known for his acerbic and combative rhetoric specifically towards Iran. He's got a really mystical hatred of Iran. If you ever hear him talk about it, it's really bizarre. He's a very, very strong uh, biblicist as well. Oh, I see. <laughs> you, Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, he was responsible while uh, meeting with President, uh, or rather Prime Minister Netanyahu, uh, for labeling uh, the BDS movement, the Boycott, Divestment, and Sanction Movement, as anti-Semitic. So this move was reaffirmed in many states uh, as anti-BDS laws come together and Businesses would be forced to sign pledges where they would not uh, allow any boycotts of Israel in their companies in order to continue to acquire state funding. He has advocated for escalation of military efforts in Iraq in 2020. 
He has frequently denied sanctions relief to Iranian people. He was a major figure behind the pushing of the Wuhan virus rhetoric and doubling down on it after he refused to agree to a G7 joint statement because other nations prefer to call it the coronavirus. Uh, <laughs> he's overseen U.S.-Taliban talks but was not a direct participant in the talks. The talks were between the Ghani government and the Taliban. And he frequently uses uh, provocative Cold War rhetoric against China using language like containment, engagement, and referring to Xi Jinping's uh, regime as Marxist, Leninist, and totalitarian. He's been a major influencer in Donald Trump's punitive measures against China in response to failing China-Hong Kong relations. This is the guy at the center of all of it. He's the guy at the center of when we missile struck Syria. He's the guy at the center of every bad move we see and, you know, shake our head at. That's him, not necessarily Trump, though Trump in part. Meaning to say, the current guy, Anthony Blinken, is not going to be solely responsible for all the bad decisions that Biden makes, but he is going to have a heavy role in uh, those bad decisions. So, who is that? Who is Anthony Blinken? This one, I got a big uh, quote for you just to give you a summation from his own words of what kind of a guy he is. It was Blinken who 18 years ago served as the staff director for the Senate Foreign Relations Committee while its chairman, Joe Biden, oversaw the pivotal and badly skewed two-day hearing in the summer of 2002 that greased congressional skids in the approval for the invasion of Iraq. Hmm. Great names. Um Blinken has had an immense influence over Joe Biden and has basically followed Joe Biden around his entire career. So this was a known pick for a very long time. He was the one who helped to formulate Biden's approach and support for the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. Blinken seems to be of the view that it is up to the United States and only the United States to take charge of world affairs. So here's a whole quote from him. On leadership, whether we like it or not, the world just doesn't organize itself. <clears throat> and until mm -hmm. this Trump administration, the U.S. had played a lead role in doing a lot of that organizing, helping us write the rules to shape the norms and animate the institutions that govern relations among nations. When we're not engaged, when we don't lead, then one or two things is likely to happen. Either some other country tries to take our place, but probably not in a way that advances our interests or values, or no one does. Mm. And then if you get the chaos or a vacuum filled by bad things before it's filled by good things, either way, that's bad for us. Uh, one of the most bizarre, this is not a quote from him anymore. This is my opinion. One of the most bizarre foreign policy takes I've ever seen. I don't know why people have this belief um, still to this day, but it, it's a really just a bizarre, it's bizarre. I wouldn't even say it's evil. It's just bizarre um, for me. Make of it what you will. He has shown... Little to no concern for Yemeni citizens as he's been the major facilitator in increasing weapons sales and intelligence sharing for the Saudi and Emirati-backed coalitions uh, after they have intervened in Yemen to fight the Houthis. Uh, and in 2018, Blinken joined over two dozen former Obama administration officials and signed a letter calling for an end to the U.S. support for the war in Yemen. However, his name was absent from a similar letter in 2019. Interesting. He has been critical of Trump's decision to exit the nuclear deal. Uh, Blinken also appears to be steering Biden's pro-Israel agenda. And uh, recently he stated that Biden, quote, would not tie military assistance to Israel to any particular political decisions it makes, period, full stop. So that basically amounts to the Biden administration's affirmation of full support for the rejection of the BDS movement. And furthermore, it expresses general pro-Israel stances 
Anthony Blinken has stated that Israel has U.S. support despite any political moves that it makes. At the very least, it expresses a one-sided and hard-headed approach that we've seen now for coming on two decades and uh, has shown little to no effectiveness in calming the tenseness of the region. Overall, I would probably say Biden's picks appear to just be in President Obama three, as I said earlier. Um, very similar there. So that is what we uh, should be looking at as diehard anti-war people, libertarians, anarchists, and just general people with souls. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think that that's accurate. I, uh, I'd have, I'd like to follow up with what you have presented to everybody. So we talked about this last week on our show, and uh, Christopher and I were on uh, on the Balls uh, podcast, Anarchy Balls podcast, and we brought this up there as well. There's a, an article by a Sarah Lazar. Uh, from the 11th of November of uh, this year uh, that said of the 23 people who kind I'm not going to get tired of repeating this because it needs to be repeated in case people don't think that this is just as serious as you have uh, educated the audience for of the 23 people who comprise the Department of Defense Agency review team. Eight of them are just over a third list their most recent employment as organizations, think tanks or companies that either directly receive money from the weapons industry or are part of this industry. These figures may be an undercount, as in these times, it's the name of the periodical, was not immediately able to exhaustively source the funding of every employer. The Center for Strategic and International Studies, the, the CSIS, is listed as the most recent employment of three individuals on Biden's Department of Defense Agency review team. Kathleen Hicks, a former defense official under President mm -hmm. Obama, Melissa Dalton, and Andrew Hunter. CSIS is a hawkish and influential foreign policy think tank that receives fundings from General Dynamics Corporation, Raytheon, Northrop Grumman, Lockheed mm. Martin, and other weapons manufacturers and defense contractors, as well as oil companies. Raytheon is a key <coughs> supplier of bombs to the U.S.-Saudi war in Yemen and has aggressively lobbied to prevent any curbs on arms sales to the Saudi-led coalition. Among the, the weapons that Northrop Grumman manufactures is drones, which have been used by the United States military in Afghanistan, Iraq, Somalia, and other locations. Just talk to the Pakistanis about that. They'll tell you about it. Noticeably, the New York Times investigation in 2016 found that based on a cache of email leaks, CSIS was effectively doubling as a weapons industry lobbying firm pushing for expanded drone sales. Lockheed Martin is a key contractor for the THAAD missile system in North South Korea, a system that CSIS has also advocated for without disclosing their conflict of interest. The company also manufactured the bomb that struck a school bus in northern Yemen in August of 2018, killing at least 26 children. CSIS also receives money from a host of governments, including the United States as well as the United Arab Emirates, which has joined the United States and Saudi Arabia to wage war on Yemen. In addition, receives money from the state-run oil company Saudi Aramco, which effectively amounts to donation from the Saudi government. So, uh, like I said earlier, the band is back together. Uh, <laughs> new boss, same as the old boss, as the Who taught us. And uh, go fuck yourself. How about that? So congratulations <laughs> to all of you peaceniks who voted for the candidate of peace uh, you know, I saw the stock market's gone up. As... No, no, no. But but like, no, Biden's going to save people's lives. Voting for Biden saved people's lives, Jay. I oh. agree with her. Yeah. You know what? I, I got to check myself. You know what? I heard that him and uh, Miss Piggy, Kamala Harris, they're going to defund the police. <laughs> wow. I didn't even think to mention her. Yeah. For some reason. That is like, it, I guess that's not the cabinet, but like I should have at least used her name once. Didn't even think. To. Well, here's a question for you. I, I kind of made this joke, but I don't think it's a joke. So like, you know, Joe Biden talks about it. Like you, you had me rolling about the hairy legs. 
and the fucking rubbing <laughs> his legs in the pool and and roaches. Uh, hairy legs. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I had tears coming out of my eyes, and I've shared it. Yeah. With can we? Here. And by the way, can we just talk about because I so I just did a little clip show, and that's one of the clips that I put on it. So I had to re-listen to it. That is a story about two white guys in a basement planning on beating up a bunch of minorities. And and he frames it like he's the victim, but he has a chain wrapped around his fist the whole time, even though the other guy is a switchblade. It's the two of them literally planning, like, when we go out there, we're going to beat the shit out of this guy. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's a crazy story to tell to the audience he was speaking to. It's <laughs> wild. He did. It's just a wild thing. It but is. Rest in peace, Corn Pop. Well, yeah, of course. But I think this is, you know, like the Manchurian Candidate where there's a, a – uh, a password that you say to one of the people who has been uh, had, had been brainwashed. So like uh -huh. if he's like wandering around and he's like, he's like, you know, Jill Biden, hair legs and uh, corn pop. And then something like Kamala comes up behind him and goes, <laughs> Joe, sausage gravy, sausage <laughs> gravy. Aww, I and love then, sausages. And then he turns around and goes, malarkey. And we're, we're going to work, you know, this, that, and the other thing. We're going to, you know, fix Medicare. and Shotgun. Shotgun. Like, yeah, you put Malarkey. two loads. Put two loads into the lot. door. <laughs> no, I think that's what it is. Like he's completely out to lunch, and then you say the special password, sausage gravy, and Joe Biden is back. I mean, he's in there. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> you got like, like he likely loads up. Yeah, he got like fourteen and a half minutes of uh, lucidity, and then after that, he's going back to having lunch with you know uh, the president of uh, whatever in his brain. So it, it it's weird. It reminds me of the fact that. That the United States is not a democracy or a republic. It's kind of a, like a partyarchy. Um, oh, 100%. It's really funny when you see a guy unlike Donald Trump, a guy like Joe Biden, who's the standard kind of pick. Like you would expect him to win an election because he's like the perfect guy for the partyarchy. Absolutely. He, he, will, he will be the face, say the words, because he's done his time. Now he just has to be the guy who pulls the button based on what the Democratic Party says. Yep. It's such an odd when you when you go through the cabinetry and how the friggin how the actual seat works and how when there's a split Congress, nothing changes that you kind of realize that it's just the will of the entity known as the Democratic Party mm -hmm. or, you know, when the Republicans are controlling all it's just the will of them. And it's so to your end, I think he is definitely a kind of Manchurian candidate. I don't know. Does that imply that it's the enemy who's actually controlling him or is can it just be he's not the guy pulling the strings? I, I think because I believe that I think it's the latter, not the former. That yeah. I believe I believe I believe that that he is. But but the thing is, that shouldn't be too shocking to anybody no. based on what I've laid out. What everybody already knows is, of course, he's just going to be the guy who ends up pulling the strings yeah. for the deep state and the intelligence community. Yeah. And cause that's the way it's always been. Mm -hmm. And for a little while we lived in a blissful Trump era where like the main guy who was supposed to be pulling the strings actually thought that he could do it himself. Right. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I, I can do this. If I can run a company, I can do this. And it's like, honey, Honey, no, that's not how this works. You know, I'm honey, sorry. No. Yeah, honey, no. And that's right, you know, the, the, the interesting thing about this uh, uh, this whole situation. I was listening to Pete, and he had Curtis uh, Yarvin back on, and uh, mm -hmm. who I think is brilliant. 
uh, a re- and that, that's one of the better that one of the best interviews that I've heard. And he he made this point that the right doesn't know what to do with power. It has no mm-hmm. fucking idea what to do with power. The left not only knows what to do, but actually does it. And that's yep. why we've seen a return. Now, I, I don't know exactly what hurt Mr. Trump, apart from maybe his own mouth, his own Twitter account, which was gold, because it would like I, I think Obama did this a little bit during his presidency. He would kind of he was smart enough to troll you where it was kind of like, I think you're fucking with me, but I'm not 100 percent sure, but I'm going to get mad at you to Trump, who is, no, I'm literally taking my, my trousers down and shitting on you right now, and I'm That's laughing right. about yes. it. You know, like, uh, B- Barack did it diplomatically. He, he fucked you hard, but, he, but, he, but you know, he whispered sweet yeah, nothing he, to your ears. he would just, if you were a journalist, for instance, he would just put you in jail. Right, yeah, yeah, <laughs> straight away. He wouldn't, he wouldn't talk about it, you know? He'd just be like, feelings hurt, go to jail. Go- <laughs> Right, right. He he channeled his inner Woodrow Wilson, and uh, that's right. You know, that's well, coming back. Are you excited for that? Oh, I'm. I, I. Are you kidding me? More Woodrow Wilson? Who wouldn't be so fucking excited for more of that fucking asshole? Of um, yeah, no, that's going to be great, and I can't wait to see how Miss Piggy's going to fit her way into that. All because that's that's on the cards. Like we, it, I, uh, Angel's. You think what they'll do is that they will put her in, like the last year. Like maybe maybe Joe Biden takes a trip. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. And maybe she's in for one year just to give everybody a taste. Maybe she comes back four years after uh, Trump too. You think that's <laughs> you think he's coming back to give it another no, shot? I, no, I know, no, no. I uh, I was speaking about it. I think we recorded this, so excuse me if we didn't. God, I've been doing a lot of recording and a lot of not recording lately. But I think on the podcast <laughs> that we just released, we talked about how one of the potential moves for the Don is the undoubted move towards. Um, one America news uh, becoming a an actual populist representation uh, in the country as far as media goes, um, because I can't imagine that Donald Trump, with all the support that he has, all the people who still believe in his message, all the people who are not going to accept that the Democrats fairly won the election, which I have no opinion on whether or not they did, but there's certainly people who are going to explicitly say they did not fairly right. win the election. Right. So that's enough people with enough money for him to continue this grift somehow. And I, I just have a suspicion that we will be seeing, um, uh, you know, he's a media mogul, maybe a little bit of, more of a move into, like if I was him, I laid it out as if I was him. If I was him uh, and I was an ideologue in any sense, I would go and call Steve Bannon up on the phone and I would say, buddy, um, sorry about all the horrible things I said. Um, <laughs> I'm willing to use my voice on your platform uh, to, to our joint ends. Are you in? Steve Bannon will say, yes, of course I am, Don. I'm just glad to see you again, prodigal son. Mwah, kisses him on the face. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they go about creating a populist media network in this country uh, that will concern the Republican Party for the remainder of its short existence in the future when it inevitably gathers like seven to nine maybe even up to 11 percent of voting republicans in their base the one america news people who will be just you know the major populist movement in this country will remain we were talking about how the tea party didn't really go away it broke up into the ron paul movement and then into the bandanite trumpists yes um like that i think will not end i think there will be another break off and it will be in the form of like now they've codified what they believe in the form of like media expression, the way Breitbart has an audience. You know what I mean? Like 
Uh, they've Breitbart just has Breitbart readers. Drudge Report just has Drudge Report readers. Sure. One America will just have one America people. And so that's kind of if he does that and he's an ideologue in any sense, which I think he is. But a lot of people just say he's not. I, I actually think he does believe a lot of the things that he says. Mm-hmm. About half the time. <laughs> a lot of the things half the time, if you know what I mean. Yep. Um, it's enough where you can never know if he's serious. So the point being, he can use his clout to seriously influence the Republican Party f- forever from now on until he dies, at the very least, because of the fact that the way that he left was such a cliffhanger for people. He's got he has an opportunity here that I certainly if I was him with his money and his pull would take. I would take the opportunity and push that news network even harder and get Hannity and get Milo and get Gavin McGinn, get everybody that you can think of who all of these people still gravitate around, pull them into One America News with Donald Trump at the top of it. And at the very least, you have a very lucrative media business. You know, you brought up two names that I talked to Angel about not too long ago. It's funny how this works. I remember a time when Gav and Milo were at, at the absolute pinnacle of their fucking power. It was right after inauguration. And those two mm-hmm. were like absolutely like they, they were like forces to be reckoned with. And now mm-hmm. I don't even like didn't Milo have to write a book called Broke because he actually ran out of money and he was trying to make money. Like he got he was fucked like sincerely. Like, Perfect story, dude. And he comes back, and he's big again. Ah, oh, Trump! It's Milo. It's the perfect story, dude. Give it, I'm um, give it two years is what I really think. You got to give it two years for the Biden stuff to really set in. Okay, <laughs> and then right. people are really gonna start to be like, "I'm over it. I'm really over this. I want him back. I want those <laughs> names back. I want to go back to 2016, the good old days." And nostalgia is very strong for people. This is not me calling it because if it really happens, I will fully admit I'm just straight up guessing here. But I have a, it's a strong guess. I really do. His best move is to keep doing what he's always done and be a media takeover. Well, what about a mm-hmm. uh, third political party? What do you think about that? I was just talking to Carr the other day about. Um, d- the the remember dominion <laughs> you remember how that was a week ago yeah really um, <laughs> that whole situation had me and car looking at the data just to see if there were any irregularities and we found some irregularities that's a different conversation though because frankly no matter what we talk about nothing will change biden's going to be the president right of course so the other part of it was when you actually have to go in and look at how vote counting is done which i've worked at like I, I've I've worked in a voting place before. Briefly in my schooling, I had to do it. You get to see, at least in New York, how the situation is done—the double, triple checking that goes on and things like that. But mm-hmm. besides that, the qualifications that are necessary to be considered <laughs> as anything other than a write-in make it so difficult to, like, by the rules, to become a powerful third party that I, I see no chance of that happening. It's 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 always going to be more effective to use the f- tools that you have at hand than it is to be to construct a whole third party. Um that will be popular. Like the only, I, there can be a third candidate 
which I argue Trump was, that's easy to think of. But a an actual third party, meaning a guy like Trump or like a Ron Paul or like, uh, oh God, what was his name? The original third party king. Ross you know Perot. Ross Perot. Yeah. There you go. Or like that, where they have a kind of energy about them. Maybe if that guy decides my extreme energy is best used to uplift a third party, then you will see potential for a third party to move into a powerful position. But I, as I've constructed it, do you see how difficult that would be and how kind of odd it would be for someone of the talent to dedicate themselves to a third party that is currently getting 1.1% yeah, and the presidential it, election. Considering it a huge uh, uh, mark of success by uh, what Joe. That's Jordan embarrassing. Said. Yeah, it's really, really it's embarrassing. embarrassing. What is embarrassing is that it was considered a huge mark of success, and yet where is Joe? I don't know. Where what happened to her? Right. If she, she was so successful, fell I, off I, the map. I I distinctly, I distinctly remember that while Gary Gary Johnson failed to do what he said he was going to do, he still got 3%, and he didn't just disappear. He was on Rogan afterwards, as far yep. as I remember. Yep, yep. He didn't disappear. Where is Joe? Yeah, that's a, that's a fine question. Maybe she took the money and ran. I, I don't know. I find it uh, – I find I, I just ask be out of curiosity because I would love to see this thing spiral out of control a little bit, uh, but I don't, <laughs> I don't think that the third party is going to be doing it. I really don't because you mentioned Ross Perot, and this happened – you know, when I was still in high school, uh, you said it was and, like what mid nineties. Yeah, and when that when that son of a bitch bought airtime, and he was like, "This is how the government's fucking you." Let me let mm-hmm. me let me show you. Got to be a rich guy. Yeah, you have to have a lot of money, and that was t- that was mm-hmm. big money then. Which now mm-hmm. I can only begin to imagine what kind. Like you would need Donald Trump money. You would need his. And, kind well, of money. and of course now you have so many rules in place because of Ross Perot, because of Ron Paul, Bingo. because of all the threats of both people on the third party and people within the two parties who won't play by the rules, they've got so many systems in place that you could never even do what either of those men did anymore. You certainly will not be able to do what Donald Trump did. No. Yeah. That's, I don't know how the funny thing is, I don't know what he did or how I just know people more intelligent than me saw it. And just like uh, what's his name from the CIA, uh, the six foot 12 guy, that guy's ridiculous. The, what is his name? The six oh, foot God. twelve guy. That guy's huge. Let's call him six foot fifteen. Actually, <laughs> CIA. <laughs> look, I'm gonna do the watch this. CIA director, extremely tall. That's what I'm googling. All right. <laughs> it gave me Gina Haspel. That doesn't make sense. Maybe I'm thinking of the FBI. Am I thinking of the FBI? Hey, Comey. James Comey. Comey. Boom. Yeah. Yeah. FBI. Yeah. FBI. Okay. Just like how Comey wanted to basically sabotage, and just like how the other, that really creepy other guy in the FBI who was sending the text messages out about how they weren't going to allow him uh, to become the president or to get elected, that was the other guy. What was his name? Uh, uh, Peter Peter Struck, I think. Yeah, Peter, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, it, I think that's exactly it. The little gremlin-looking so that, guy. That creepy guy, too. They, <laughs> they, they got what they wanted. And so but, well, all I'm saying is they're just going to do that you know, the intelligence community is just going to kick, kick, kick him out and be like, well, we're going to bitch and moan about it and whatever. Mm. That's just how it goes. Yep. All right. Well, I, I, I think Ross Perot fucked everybody when, uh, you know, Clinton failed to get 50% the second time he won. 
And I think the Republicans and Democrats really did sit down and say, this is the last goddamn time. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. The they will never, they will. Yep, I, is... I just know for a fact everybody who's be- who's way better at looking at this stuff than we are is like here I've wrote this into a bill about giving money to farmers and it uh, doesn't allow you to become the president if you're from a third party <laughs> and it's everybody's <laughs> like ah yes a good law about agriculture and they pass it <laughs> right right yes <laughs> it's just that easy uh, and, and I really believe that it's amazing um what else do you have for uh for the audience today on the super spreader special, Bird? Do you have anything else? Um, not much other than to say, besides everything I said, I hope you can find lots of ways to be thankful. <laughs> oh, I, I think that there's always remember, and I hate to say it this way because the people that you mentioned, and of course with the follow up that we've provided today and in the past, these people have dramatic implications on the lives of individuals and in other places in the world where they shouldn't be. Um, it's drama for us to watch it like a soap opera. You know what I mean? It's entertainment I to know. an extent, but I at know. the same time, there's an incredibly dark side to that, that there are mm-hmm. going to be lives who never, ever did anything wrong to anybody will be severely impacted. And to the point where, you know, the the same fucking assholes who get rolled out in front of the television. Well, I don't understand why they hate us so much. They hate us for our freedoms. No, they hate yeah. you because you destroyed their village and killed their fucking sister. And they're mad at you. And they want you to feel a, a fraction of the pain that you've inflicted upon them. And that's not just being friendly toward... I mean, how the fuck would I feel if some fucker 5,000 miles away, I'm out at the at Memorial uh, uh, Lake hanging out with my dog. And the next thing you know, a drone comes in and kills my fucking wife. Bitch, you better hide. You better hope they find you before I right. do, because I'm coming. You know what I mean? It's um, forever ruined sunny days for these people. Yeah, I mean, really? How about? Yeah, dude, the people in Pakistan don't like sunny days. They hate because right. that's when the fucking drones show up, and that's yeah. um, that's a testament to the destructive nature of our uh, not our because we're not involved in it, but unfortunately, American foreign policy and. Uh, you know, we get lumped in there, but, um, you know, for, um, and by the way, all three of the people I named who are coming into Joe Biden's administration are, are, are at least tangentially related to drone bombing, <laughs> but like, by the way, um, what, what a coincidence. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. Big shock. Yeah. yeah. Imagine mm. my surprise <laughs> and data mining. A lot of those two things. Uh, well, you know, man, the, the band's back together. I hope that uh, Raytheon and Northrop Grumman and uh, several of the others uh, that uh, were mentioned earlier are going to be very delighted with the boon in their stocks and what have you. And I saw I saw yeah. something on the Drudge where they, uh, the, the establishment is happy because the stock market is going up since Joe won. And it's because the stability's back. The stability of... The establishment is back. The, oh, yeah. You know what I mean? The status quo continues. That's right. Hell yeah. The king, um, the but king. I will say one good thing about it is um, during the Obama administration, because it was kind of stable in the social sense, I mean, it was it was falling apart, but it was not where it got to Trump. Uh, there was still a lot of room on air to be anti-war. Yeah. And then – when Trump, like late Trump, halfway through Trump specifically, it got so ridiculous in so many ways that it became, it became, and I hate to say this, difficult to talk about war because it was almost to the point where so many other things were happening, nobody would want to hear it, which is terrible. It is. It's a horrible thing. 
And so I am glad in some sense that if there is an idea that normalcy is coming back, then that means we can, you know, get back to work. Well, let's hope so. But unfortunately, you know, I, I try not to be a pessimist when it comes to this stuff. But, you know, when you live long enough to see so many different administrations come and go and they all relatively have the same form, at least since 2001. But even before that, it was interventionist. You had the no-fly zone in Iraq that killed I don't know how many fucking people um, just by uh, not not so much by the no-fly zone, but by the sanctions that were uh, put against the Iraqi people. I mean, once again, it sucks that so many innocent people are the victims of the stupidity of their governments. But unfortunately, that's uh, that's the case. And um, but, yeah, let's hope that there is something that happens with the anti-war movement. But, you know, now that you have a, a quote, a neoliberal in there, a, a Democrat that's in there, they're going to get amnesia and they're going to forget about what they were pissed off of, you know, put pissed off about originally, you know, back in uh, what was it, 2004, 2005, when they were really, really worked up and pissed off. And then they took over the House and the Senate and uh, Bush was still in there. He won reelection and they had the opportunity to actually, you know, bring the light all of this shit. And no, I mean, the establishment Democrats, Nancy Pelosi had the power to really do damage to this man. And she withheld. She was like, nope, we're not going to do that. So I, I I don't have a lot of hope. I just hope that some people at least come over to at least to begin to question these things, because that's, I guess, the the door that we need folks to walk through is just start asking the questions is like the one that fucked me up. And a lot of the people that uh, a lot of the the individual I went to school with uh, was uh, Anwar al-Walaki. Like, you know, this guy is an American citizen that got yeah. fucking at that drone struck. They killed them without a tr- well, you know, and then you'll hear the response. Well, you know, he was saying things on YouTube. This is when YouTube allowed, like, there were a no ads, which was amazing, and b you could say whatever you wanted to, like even disgusting shit. They didn't do anything about it, right? So this was in the like, you know, the beginning of YouTube, so to speak, or the right, infancy, the Wild the West days, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he was on there, and he was saying some very, very radical stuff. I mean, he was a, a radical Islamist, and I un- I understand that, but he was an oh, American. Yeah, he was he was a he was a what would you call if he lived in this country a criminal so what do we what would you do with a criminal like you would put a put him on trial yeah wow. you would arrest it's him amazing what american yep. citizenship confers correct that's the point of it and and he was completely <laughs> denied of that and then they and then later on they drone struck his kid they killed him and then they yeah. killed his kid later on and for a lot of people, that was kind of eye-opening. It's, well, you know, a lot of them were like, well, we wouldn't do that to somebody just sitting in a cafe. I'm like, well, you do it to people sitting in cafes regularly. Like, what do you mean you wouldn't do, you wouldn't do that here? Why? Because of the fucking collateral damage of killing lots of Americans as opposed to the people over there, which, yeah, you know what? It, maybe it makes the times. Maybe it doesn't. Either way, it's not our problem. You know, mm. I, it's that one really bothered me because if they yeah. can do that to him, nobody's off the table. Absolutely nobody is off the table. And for those of us who have uh, adopted the black banner, we are the original terrorists. In fact, Interpol exists because of, quote, the anarchist terror. That's right. These people don't they forget their roots. They forget their roots. We're the reason why there's a fucking Interpol. So now, of course, those are anarchists that did the propaganda of the deed. You know, I understand that there are different factions, different sects of this whole thing. I get that. But we all still have the same banner that we all kind of you know identify with so well you're against the big guy right like that's it right that's the banner is the we're against the big guy correct so correct <laughs> uh, we'll see yeah no, man I... it's a lot we're we're and how we suffer 
<laughs> buy uh here uh buy cryptocurrency buy bitcoin buy bitcoin um don't follow bad laws um buy a 3d printer buy a 3d yeah. printer don't buy taxes <laughs> uh what else um know your rights i guess <laughs> and uh, i don't know what you know what else can you do especially in a the regime that's coming I, I, Man, I ha- it's going to be so weird when they have to deal with Antifa burning streets down. Oh, you know exactly what's so going to happen. Bird, you know exactly yeah. what's going to happen. They're going to crack down on that like the fucking terrorists. hard. Yeah. But you're not going to see it. You're not going to. All the video is yeah. going to disappear. The news yeah. helicopters are going home. You're not going to yeah. see the results. The Macron treatment. Right. Exa- exactly. So, um, you know, we do have a lot to be thankful for. We have this platform that at least, you know, the 16 people that listen to this fucking show will at least be like, oh, well, you know, maybe they have some good points. I don't know. <laughs> um, no, it's a little bit more than 16. It's about 17 and a half. I don't know where the half Hell comes yeah. from. So, um, but, yeah, we have a lot to be thankful for, and we got to keep, uh, you know, it is everybody that got into this movement knew that you were pretty much, you know, getting involved in a lost cause, but it's not about taking over. It's not about, you know, violent overthrow is it the ethical and more and, and and the and the morally high position? It, it, that's that's the bottom line here, and the, and also to educate other individuals who may not, after fifteen thousand hours of public education, have no fucking idea that this stuff is going on, and that right. they need to qu- just start questioning. You know, that's yeah, that it, would hopefully be it. You know, so uh, you know, hope springs eternal. I don't uh, I don't have anything else, Bird. If you would like to uh, give us any of your plugs or say anything to the audience, whatever you want. Listeners, I can't give you plugs because, well, just listen to the episode today. <laughs> and, uh, man, uh, I'll tell you, here's my plug. Fuck the union. I'll say that. <laughs> Fuck the union. Okay. I hope Aaron's what, not going to listen. What happened? Oh, you're going to hear about we'll, it. Okay, we'll I'll, listen, about I'll, it. Listen, I'll listen to the episode. Yes, yes, listen <laughs> to the episode. And I'm sure we're going to have Aaron on at some point in time that will explain in detail what has gone on. So. All right. Oh, yes. So, uh, anybody else? Uh, Miss uh, Miss Angel over there, executive comrade, producer, commissar, everything, what have you. Uh, I don't have anything, but I do want to say happy Thanksgiving and that I am thankful for each and every one of you. And I am thankful for Bird for coming on the podcast today. Absolutely. And um, I hope you enjoy your Thanksgiving with your Asian American food and uh, have fun with your family. Thank you very much. Thank you for your thanks. What about you, Christopher? Anything before we check out of here? Uh, I mean, yeah, just, uh, you know, I'm thankful for you guys. Uh, I'm thankful that you asked me to join this podcast. It's been a, a highlight in my life during this, uh, quote unquote pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's been super fun. I've, uh, learned a shit ton along the way. I've made some cool friends. We've got to talk to a lot of cool people, bird yourself included. And thank you for coming on. Uh, yeah. much appreciated. Always, always a pleasure listening to you talk. You're, a uh, a very intelligent and, and eloquently spoken individual, and I appreciate that. Thank you that. so much. Oh, my God, I'm being showered on this Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm thankful that we got to talk to uh, Pete. That was uh, incredibly fucking awesome. Hell yeah. Uh, never thought in a million years that we'd uh, get a chance to talk to Pete. He's he's probably one of the, the Free Man Beyond the Wall is probably like my favorite podcast. Um, yeah, that I show's mean, dope. Yeah, dope as, as, the, as the co-host of that show. 
and yeah, everybody, all of our listeners, uh, have a happy Thanksgiving. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's it, man. It's, it's right. been great. It's been a fun ride. Everybody enjoy yourself. Outstanding. Uh, I'm, I'm obviously thankful for I have a, a, a very pretty wife who puts up with my, uh, like I said, uh, Hell yeah. my uh, freckled uh, Irish ass walking around the kitchen, uh, you know, drunk yep. on Thanksgiving. So she's a very sweet woman. Uh, and uh, I'm thankful for uh, Bird coming on. I'm thankful for our friendship uh, with uh, with Bird and all of our guests, the people that have come on, including the, uh, the one individual that scares the shit out of me because like, <laughs> I feel like he's the smartest person in the world, Mr. Keith Preston. Um, it's like talking to, uh, it's talking to a man who's like a fucking wizard when it comes to information. <laughs> so I just, he's over the top, uh, big, uh, huge shout out, of course, to, uh, all of our listeners across the planet. It still blows yeah, yeah. me away. I'm thank, I, I'm thankful for, uh, all the people we have listeners in every single inhabited continent on this planet. It's fucking wild. Even somebody from Algeria, uh, listens to the show. So, uh, thank you for that. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very grateful I'd like to give a special shout-out, of course, to a friend of ours, uh, Sal Mayweather. Please check out his website, 3dprintergobrrr.com. That's 3dprintergobrrr.com. And once again, a shout-out to my boy, Paul B. from B-Town, uh, my anarchist friend who is uh, holding it down out there in the Rust Belt. He's been a fan of the show since minute one, former co-worker of Christopher and myself. We love you, Paul. Thank you very much. Uh, but from myself and the rest of the gang, happy Thanksgiving to all of you. We will be talking to you very shortly. Bird, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, we wish you nothing but the best and hope to talk to you again soon. Happy Thanksgiving. All right. Bye. All right. Bye. Squaw.